station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, movie, let's say, agitator, <laughs> Melissa Kersher. Hello. And uh, we are joined by a brand new guest host. This is someone who's never been on our podcast yes. before. That's why I call him brand new. We are going to welcome, oh, what are we going to call him? Uh, movie, hmm, movie flunky. I don't know if that really works. <laughs> Look, it's anyway, fine. Jason Kruger. Hi, Jason. Hi, how's it going? Good to see you. Yeah. So uh, Jason is here to watch with us the movie, the next movie in our crime wave of film. Oh. Yeah, that's what we're calling been, it. We should have been starting to call that like a lot earlier. We should have. Oh, I mean, you don't realize ago. it's a crime wave until you're real deep in it. Usually, yeah, true. So true. That's like true. A... That's true. It's kind of a... Uh, 2020 hindsight sort of thing. Yeah. Right. So yeah. this is this is our crime wave. I, I'd call it a 70s crime wave, but I think the next film we're watching is not from the 70s. It's so, not, but it borrows heavily from the 70s. So, yeah. So, you know, it kind of counts. But anyway, we are watching a movie called Dog Day Afternoon. So, Jason, you've been brought on this podcast specifically because you've never seen the film, and we need you to tell us what you know about Dog Day Afternoon. So... I remember reading the jacket for it back when I worked at a video rental store in the uh, early 2000s. And I remember there's something regarding uh, somebody defending his home from a bunch of uh, criminals or otherwise bad guys. Uh, that's about all I remember. So it's a stand your ground movie. That's what you're saying. That's what I remember from uh, reading the back of it. All right. Well, I can say uh, with absolute certainty that uh, this movie is going to surprise Jason. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but that's good. That's that's the whole idea. Mm -hmm. The idea is that uh, you're supposed to come in here not knowing a lot about the movie, and we're going to teach you about it by having you watch it. So uh, what we have here is Dog Day Afternoon, where uh, it's featuring one of the most notable actors of the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And one we've seen before, even recently, in our uh, crime wave. Yes, in our crime wave. He w yeah. appeared in The Godfather. That's right. Uh, and... Uh, in The Godfather, he played Al Pacino. So in this movie, well, he played no, wait, I'm he sorry. He is Al Pacino. And that, was, I, that was another thing. I couldn't remember who the actor was. I know there was some actor that I recognized, and I couldn't remember if it was Hoffman or Pacino or mm -hmm. somebody. But yeah, yeah. It's, this is you're right. It is Hoffman or Pacino. It, yes. it is one of the two. And yes. And yes. It so, so yeah, Al Pacino is in this movie. And uh, I, I don't know that I want to spill a whole lot more. No, really, you shouldn't. It, it, it's kind of a delightful film to uh, discover. And it is. And, and it, also, um, we should we should note that this is a Sidney Lumet film. And I believe it's the first one we've done in real education. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Although I would have to look it up. One, one of the great tried and true American directors. Now, now uh, the other thing that I think we should note about this, I believe this was uh, in the middle of the two Godfather films, was it not? I thought uh, uh, Godfather 2 came out in 74. And wasn't this 73? This is 75. 75. All right, so post-Godfather. So, I mean, that's interesting. I am just barely older than this movie. I think uh, you folks uh, following uh, following this uh, this podcast at home who may have heard things like, oh, all Al Pacino ever does is play Al Pacino. If you watch Godfather Part 1 and then you watch this movie, I think it might help to change your mind. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's that's all I'm going to say about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're just going to go away. We're going to watch 
dog day afternoon, I'm going to figure out what music I'm about to put on for you to listen to because you might think that I plan these things ahead of time, but I don't. So no, we can find some music. We'll figure it out by, by, the, by the time we come back. I will have figured it out because you will have heard it. So there we are. We'll be back in just a little bit. Sad. You know, okay, so one silly thought that I had yes. was You're recording, right, Tim? Yeah. Okay, cool. Go. Uh but the, I haven't said we're back yet. But that's oh all right. shush. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I have to do my thing. Oh, we'll do Hold your on. thing. We'll do your thing. Okay, I'll do my thing. And we are back. <laughs> so many, <laughs> can I interrupt you? Is that many okay? r- many many rivers of sweat have been sweated. Yeah. Oh yeah. Many uh Atticas have been uttered and <laughs> Al Pacino has survived to see the final reel, but not so much John Cazale. So yeah. the first thing we have to do, hey, uh, Jason. Yes. Your first time seeing Dog Day Afternoon. What do you think? Uh, it's a fantastic film. The story's great. Uh, so the silly thought that I tried to have before you got to do your thing was uh, <laughs> I had one moment where I thought, well, the movie Airheads definitely stole a lot from this. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. No, not at all. Um, and the fact that this is a historical thing that actually happened. I mean, it, it's a great film. The other thing that uh, really occurred to me a lot is how much the hostages were kind of their friends for the most part. Like there were one or two that didn't get along very well with them or mm-hmm. didn't seem to like them. But like he was literally handing his rifle to the one lady to teach her how to do military drill. Which seemed yeah. foolish. Oh, incredibly. Yeah. But yeah. there was a little bit of Helsinki syndrome going on there, it would mm-hmm. seem, mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in that whole... You mean Stockholm? Stockholm, yeah. Finland, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm really glad that you corrected, because I, for a second, thought I just totally uh, forgot what that was called. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm a pedantic one. I'm pushing up my glasses. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they call it Helsinki syndrome in Die Hard though? That's what I'm. That's what I'm pulling it from. I can't remember. It's because the, the the television news report is like you're gonna you have know, to find somebody Helsinki that hasn't syndrome. seen Die Hard. Helsinki syndrome. Well, that's it, they, Tim. We have other, to go watch Die Hard. Then the other news right reporter says, now. as in Helsinki, Sweden, and then the one guy Helsinki's not in Sweden. That's right. That's, that's the joke. <laughs> that's yeah. the joke. Because then the other guy <laughs> says Finland. Finland. <laughs> and then, and, then, and, and, and I think it's now I'm I'm gonna look it up. Okay. okay. We're gonna we're gonna look up the Helsinki thing <laughs> and Die Hard later because I was making the Die Hard joke. I want anyway. Fine. So the point is fine, fine. The hostages. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they were suffering from Helsinki, Finland. Well, syndrome. The, the whole source of that is um, the screenwriter who won an Oscar for this script, which is really strange because uh, most of this script was improvised by the actors. But the the screenwriter uh, who wrote this, um, when he contacted the real guy, uh, John, oh, I'm going to murder this name, Ro- John Rojtowicz. It's a it's a mess of vowels like most Polish names. Sure. Um, the real guy. Um, uh, 
you know, was paid for his life story rights and, and everything. But um, when interviewing all of the people who knew the guy, the, the writer found that they all had kind of differing views and differing stories about who he was and what he was like. But the one uniting factor was the, I'm going to fix it for you. The guy was always going to fix something. He was a fixer. He was a fixer. He wanted to fix everything. And so that's what the writer honed in on it, uh, for Al Pacino's character in that he was um, going to fix everything. for. He was doing all this for the benefit of other people and, you know, in his own twisted way. Right. <laughs> and so I, I really like that aspect of the prisoners are like, oh, this guy's not so bad. You know, he's getting, he's thinking of us. He's getting right. us pizza and stuff. He was trying to take care of them as best as he could while still having them as hostages. Right. And they also just kind of jumped and was like, up oh, in the vault. Everybody's like, oh, it's vault time. Let's go. <laughs> it's vault time. Dopey, 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 well, dope. If, if, you know, if bullets are going to fly around, I'd like to be in the I'd be vault. like, I would be like, it yay, vault better. time. Yeah. <laughs> he was a helper there, too. Yeah. By the way, I looked it up, Helsinki Syndrome, Die Hard. I was right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Oh, no instant research gratification. Thank <laughs> you, the internet. Um, I'm going to point out, Melissa's right about Stockholm Syndrome, but I wasn't. Th- I was thinking about the Die Hard. So line. we're both right. We're both right. We're both right. High okay. five! It. High five! All yeah. right, awesome. That was a sucky high five. It was a sucky high five, but <laughs> it's good now that we're radio. using, yeah. now that we're using these individual mics, nobody could hear the high five anyway. Yeah, so that's probably true. They don't know how bad it was. Yeah, that's what Foley's for. Oh, Foley. <laughs> um, but this is audio, so it's actually oh, yeah. just sound effects. And there was a lot of stuff that I picked up on that, like this was. There was a lot of like political, social statements happening because mm-hmm. of this. And because it was, you know, it kind of became a homosexual issue for 1972. So the fact that protesters and demonstrators came out to support a guy robbing a bank because yeah. it turned out he was gay. Like, well, yeah. but and then were other ones that were supporting him because he was doing his whole Attica chant and everything. And then mm-hmm. when they found out he was gay, they were like, fuck that guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and watching the cr- the mob mentality turn and and, and twist a mob and, with factions yeah and and people going up it's like I'm famous now and yeah it's just the craziness well it, the the real case uh, going back to the real case this is like a textbook case now of uh, for uh, police training in how to manage mobs and how to manage the people surrounding a crime scene also. Uh, hostage negotiations is a textbook case in that they did it poorly kind of and it's also um it just became such a circus show so it's kind of like hey look at what happened here Mm -hmm. and and you know it was drawn out on tv so i'm sure you know the visual evidence is plentiful (laughs) so that's yeah that's a very real thing and uh so uh uh john watch Sonny. I, I, yeah, the, the guy, Sonny, in the movie, um, and his friend Sal uh, robbed this bank. It was a Chase Manhattan Bank in New York City. Um, they got $213,000. Woo! Yeah, which was pretty decent in 1970. Attica, motherfucker. So the part in the film where he's like, what do you mean all the money got picked up today? Did that actually happen in the robbery? You know what? I I am not sure. I didn't get that far into the details of the case. but it, Okay. It, it, um, 
a lot of things went wrong. And did and we find out anything about the third robber that was like, no, I'm out. I know, <laughs> I'm good. I don't want to. You take my gun. Yeah, it kind of all fell apart. I mean, like, how am I supposed to get home if I can't take the car? <laughs> take the, we need the car. I also love that he's like, okay, I don't want any part of this. I don't want any part. Oh, hey, there's there's a lady under a desk. Okay, now I'm leaving. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah, uh, they, they did take uh, nine employees hostage. They uh, It was a hostage situation for 14 hours. And um, the real guy, after he was incarcerated, you know, they paid him $7,500 plus 1% of the movie profits to get his life story. And sure enough... Two thousand five hundred of it went to his went male, to Leon. Went went to Leon. Uh, I believe Leon's real name was Aaron, and uh, Leon changed to Eve. No, Liz. Liz. Okay. And uh, she became a she, and yeah. uh, lived until the late eighties, uh, during which she fell victim to AIDS. Wow. Which is a shame. But yeah. uh, uh, the real Sunny. Uh, he lived until about 2006, so he only passed away fairly recently. Hmm. And he served, I believe, five years of a 20-year term. So That is correct. At the yeah. time of the movie, he was still incarcerated, but not for much not longer. Not long, yeah. Because, you know, he was a helper. He was a nice guy. He was probably. a fixer. Yeah, he was a fixer. He, fixed, he helped, uh, helped around the prison, probably time off for good <laughs> behavior. Oh, I'm certain of it. I yeah. mean... Yeah, I mean, if he was at all like what Pacino's character was based off of, like, he... He seemed like his heart was in the right place, which is a weird thing to say of a bank robber. To literally nothing else. Yeah, yeah, his brain was his, not. His heart was in the right place, and literally nothing else about him was in the right place. You know, one of the weird, tragic things about Sal was he was on board because the options were, A, we're getting away from this, B, we're killing ourselves. Yeah. And he died at the end when... I like as an audience member not knowing this film at all. I actually was like, you know, I think I would have heard about that point in our history where we actually gave the bank robbers the jet. Oh, right. Like, nope, that oh, didn't that happen. Did, nope, that is happen. a gun <laughs> in the armrest. And you and know why Sal that all took a bullet? And you know why that all worked out? It's because Lance Henriksen had a gun. <laughs> yeah, do not give Lance Henriksen a gun unless you want him to <laughs> use it. Unless you want him to use it. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, do not true. point Lance Henriksen at anything you do not want to kill or destroy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, you know, it, this movie is living proof that. Lance Henriksen was not born old. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of his earliest film parts. He only started acting in movies like uh, 1972. And, uh, yeah. Sal, remember yeah. to keep this that gun first, up. This ma- is his yep. first major movie. Do not keep the gun up, Sal. <laughs> yeah. Sal. Tip it up. We don't want don't any mistakes. Don't listen to the agent. Yeah. He's not your friend. <laughs> Poor Sal. Yeah. Sal. Yeah. Poor John Cazale. Jesus. John Cazale. Okay, so we talked about so John we got, Cazale. Yeah, John Cazale, we've talked about before. We've seen now three of the four movies he made, or is it five. three of the five? five? Three of the five well, One of them is, is shitty. Well, yeah. But, yeah. well, in well, it was a bomb, I should say. It okay. Off of okay. Bomb, but anyway. So what was the bomb? The, uh, he was in, wait, he was in Heaven's Gate, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Which was a box office just... Okay. Huge bomb. Boom. 
but yeah, he only had five film roles, and um, now I don't have it written down. It was like all of them were at least nominated for Best Picture, you know, that sort of thing. And then he yeah. hung up his actor yeah. hat, and like, I'm no, good? No, 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 he no. didn't hang up his actor hat. His he lungs died. hung up his body, and he died. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is why he... So he hung up his smoking lungs, or was yeah. that? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't want to get the cancer. He got the, <laughs> he cancer. Got the cancer. He died three years later from lung cancer, which is... Horrible, and yet I'm laughing. Like, every once in a while, as an actor, I get that line where I'm like, boy, real me would never say this. This is going to be fun to say, and I'm going (laughs) to giggle about it afterwards, and I'm sure that's what he did with that line. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to get the cancer. He's like, I'm going to go have a smoke right after this shot. (laughs) Yes. Do we have to do this take, another take of this (laughs) shot? Because I really want a cigarette. (laughs) Because that's how it works. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like I am, I am tomorrow two months without a cigarette, and oh, I miss it. But mostly, mostly it's the you know social drinking trigger that does it. But like, yeah, yeah, you stress. still miss it. Oh yeah, still miss it. Like I know that it's better for me. Uh, still miss it. Like if you were delivering the line, I don't want to get the cancer. You'd be secretly internally thinking, God, I want the cancer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Give me that sweet, like, sweet cancer. I think if some director uh, in some theater space that actually allowed smoking on stage, if it was in the script, was like, so your character smokes, are you okay with that? I'd be like, uh, I I mean, if I have to. <laughs> and by if I have to, I mean, yes. <laughs> now, would you be smoking one of those candy cigarettes like from they gave you in high I, school theater? I would. I would take whatever they gave me. <laughs> they've got they've got like new theater c- cigarettes like that that you, if you blow on a li- them a little bit there's a little bit of a puff of smoke. There's a puff get. of smoke and they oh. kind of light up. Yeah, they light and they have a little glowy tip that, that lights fancy. up a little bit. Yeah, it's very fancy. It's for those those people those people in theater who've commit, quit smoking and don't want to start again. Okay. Um, or just people who don't smoke and are like, no, I shouldn't have to smoke for <laughs> for a roll <laughs> or the no. fire code, etc. Because I know yeah. like yeah. it's illegal. I don't know what the state. Of Minnesota code is right now with that, but and this yeah. entire conversation has come out of the fact that John Cazale died, died of, of lung cancer. died of lung cancer. Yeah, don't smoke after saying uh, body is a temple to God or something <laughs> yes, like that. Yeah. Yes, I don't want the cancer. His body is not a temple to God. Oh, well, by, and, by the way, and he's also playing a role that was uh, the, the real cell was eighteen years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And and so John Cazale is wildly inappropriately aged for this role, but uh, Pacino had just worked with him on the Godfather <laughs> films and uh, went to Sidney Lumet and he said, no, really, really, you got to cast this guy. And so Lumet um, had a screen test and like within five minutes, he was just totally sold on Cazale playing I'm, the part. Yeah, he was great for He's the part. Fantastic. I mean, so the fact that the actual person was 18 years old makes it... Makes a lot more sense as far as what happened with the script and the background and the fact mm-hmm. that he just like was perfectly willing to take orders from Sonny and try to be threatening. Yeah. Yeah. And fail mostly. But yeah. so tell us something about Sidley Lumet. Melissa. Uh, Sidney Lumet, um, we actually have watched one I of his other so. movies. I thought so. I didn't look it, was, it up. But. It was Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, Murder on yes. the Orient Express. I, for, I, told, I always forget he directed that. They were on the Orient Express, and I just rewatched that film recently. Mm-hmm. Which because, is fantastic. Yeah, well, and it's after watching the, the Kenneth Branagh film, I, I re- revisited mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express. So uh, I have seen another Lumet, Lumet film 
recently. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, his debut movie was 12 Angry Men. Of oh, my. Things. Of all things, yeah. Or as we say here on A Real Education Podcast, his debut movie. No. Oh. That's yes. actually the first time I've ever said that on this podcast. I was wondering. Now it's about canon. That. <laughs> I, I, anyway, uh, Sidney Lumet, uh, he's. Uh, he only died recently in 2011, and uh, he was one of the great, really kind of workman sort of directors in American cinema history. Uh, he debuted with 12 Angry Men in 1957. Which and, we'll be watching at some point oh, on God, A Real Education. Fantastic. And he pretty much directed one movie a year since. Hey, that's until a, that, he the, died. The, the 12 Angry Men fits in the crime category. It does. Ooh. Maybe we should do that. So anyway. Um, I Now, yeah. I've seen, I remember in school when we were reading it, there was uh, a film version in which Tony Danza was one of the characters. And I've seen that version. <laughs> I believe it was made for TV. I'm not certain. I but think it was. I think I, I don't know that Tony Danza has ever done, done anything that wasn't made for TV. I saw a stage projection of it that starred George Went. Yeah. Yes, I did. Was he the uh, angry Let's Kill Him tour? Uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, that's where I cast him. Yeah, yeah. 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 Norm! Yeah, totally. Norm! <laughs> the kid's gonna burn! Oh, Jesus, Norm, had a, have a beer. Jesus. <laughs> that's why I was so angry. Dude. But uh, anyway, Sidney Lumet, he was born in Philadelphia, uh, had Jewish parents uh, who came from Yiddish theater. And so when he... Uh, moved to New York, and he uh, started with the Actors Studio and started directing for the stage, and very soon became Yul Brynner's assistant and started working in TV and became a very accomplished TV director. And from there, uh, because his TV productions were so high quality, and he was just churning them out really, really fast, he had a very efficient style, um, he very quickly moved into movies, and the rest is history. So what was he well-known for, for television? For television? Oh, goodness. Like anything to... in particular? The Yul Brynner problem. Hour with Yul Brynner. If I remember right, there was like a TV production of 12 Angry Men that moved into being produced as a movie. With Tony Danza. No, no he was a little young yeah, in the 50s. But, uh, yeah, the the um, he he's known for getting really great performances out of actors. He works with actors tremendously well. He's also very efficient. He he finished Dog Day Afternoon three weeks ahead of schedule. That's incredible, yeah. considering the cast and like yeah. all of the stuff going on with that. Well, and, yeah. and the thing about Dog Day Afternoon, and I, we haven't really talked about it, um, most of that movie, it's funny, one screenplay in many ways because it's, it's almost improvised. all of the movie is improvised. Yeah. It was improvised in rehearsal, and then they kind of recorded the improvisations. Wrote down and, the screenplay and, and then performed it. And then performed it. But even within that, a lot of what they did was improvisation. Mm -hmm. So, like, the Attica scene, uh, totally oh. made up. Totally, that was not in the script. That was just yeah, you know, Al Pacino... <laughs> Al Pacinoing the shit out of it. That was Al Pacino. That was the birth of Shouty Al right there. Yep. And um, and you can see Charles Durning in that scene going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Pacino's going off script. I mean, because it was based on a real story, my first thought was that that had to have happened. And so I don't know. Is there any... Uh, that one, that that was purely from the brain of Al Pacino, as I as Okay, I so that it. wasn't caught by but... news cameras or nobody from the crowd <laughs> no, was like, and then the crazy bank robber started shouting Attica. We were totally into it. 
<laughs> I, I imagine it, it certainly is in the the spirit of the piece, <laughs> right? And, and rallying up. The I crowd, mean, like but, considering yeah. the multifaceted, the only thing everybody agrees on is he's a fixer. I mean, the fact that he brought up Vietnam and there was some political tinge, like, I'm sure he probably brought it well, up. Well, probably. I well, mean, he probably I, served in... Uh, it, the, he did serve. He did in serve in Vietnam. So right. that's true of the the mm-hmm. real person. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, know, see, he may have riled up the crowd. It seems like... Yeah, and, just, and he did. I mean, this is like I said, this was a textbook case for how crowd crowds control. can get out of hand. Well, you know. And Step one, don't let them side with the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, the the real guy did say that about 30% of the movie is true, which is actually a pretty good track record for a film adaptation of any true story. Um, the, you know, like, the, the film says that, you know, the, the lover had already become a woman. That wasn't true at the point when the the film was made, you know, but very well, soon after. Well, it said... Yeah. That she was living in New York as a as woman. As a woman. Well, that could be. Which that could be. Could, she could be pre-op and, and could still be. living as a woman. That's good. That could be. That's That could be true. I wonder but if anyway. there was anything that he saw in the film. He's like, I wish I would have actually done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the funny thing. Um, so, Al Pacino just came off the first two Godfather movies because uh, he was literally suffering from exhaustion from Godfather 2 when he came on to do this movie. Because he was a method actor. Because he was a method actor. And he initially didn't want to take this role. Method because... actor, method acting, my dear listeners, speaking as an actor, is dumb. <laughs> yeah. Would you agree, Jason, speaking as an actor? Uh... I mean, I think there are limits, and I think people cross them often for film. So mm-hmm. I'm I, inclined to kind of agree with you. I don't like that big of blanket statements, but yeah, it's kind of dumb. It's yeah. dumb. I mean, I can say it. You can. <laughs> Lawrence Olivier said it to Dustin Hoffman. Huh. All right. Speaking of which. Speaking of Dustin, see that was a, that was a. I, a I, I yeah. didn't know that was totally unintentional. Mm. I could tell. No, it was on purpose. I did it on purpose. <sighs> okay. So anyway. So Pacino is already exhausted coming off of Godfather 2, and he didn't initially want to do this film. And so Sidney Lumet said, fine, and he sent the script to Dustin Hoffman. And uh, and Pacino said, well, fuck that. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so uh, yeah, the, the, the initial reason he didn't want to take the role is because he didn't want to whip himself up into a frenzy every single day for the next four weeks or however long it took to actually film it. Yeah. Uh, but he did it anyway, and it's a fantastic performance. And so the the additional facet to that is coming off of the Godfather films, the real guy who did the actual real crime uh, took inspiration from the first Godfather movie to do the robbery. Oh. <laughs> and so it's art imitating life, which imitated art. And, and, and uh, there was a Life magazine article done shortly after, you know, his apprehension. Apprehension? That it said that. Is that yeah, word? I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, after he, he was incarcerated, um, there's a life, or maybe it was Time. It was one of those two big magazines. They, there was this big article about the crime, and they described the real guy as looking as sort of like Al Pacino, as sort of like Dustin Hoffman. Either would play him in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's a casting director going, Good, my work here is done. Boom. And so, meanwhile, um, and, and uh, Jason, we were uh, discussing that you were initially thinking of Straw Dogs when yeah. you were trying to describe this right. movie. Which right. Straw Dogs stars? 
Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Yes, <laughs> that is. Let's protect my home from bad guys. Like I yeah. said, it was video store job over ten years ago. Al Pacino yeah, and Dustin Hoffman are in fact the same person. I feel. Have that, they done any films together? Can we yes, they have. That? Okay. Weren't they mm. in White the Dog together? Yeah, but were they ever on the screen at the same time? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've I seen that movie. Anyway, the point is, the point is. <laughs> They're wait, also. Wait, they're they, also. Oh, both, oh, they were both in Dick Tracy together. They were both in Dick Tracy. Yes. I forgot about that. I forgot oh, all about that. Thank you, Movie Brain. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in Dick Tracy to forget about. To be quite honest, um, but it's so. Colorful. I was a kid when I saw it, so it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. It was very colorful. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the point of the film. Uh, anyway, so uh, we are we we've been talking for a while. We're I'm gonna kind of say we're getting close to final thoughts, which means Melissa, we need to kind of find out if there's any more trivia or factoids about the film that are important for you to share. Oh 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 yeah oh yeah okay so um, since Pacino's portraying a gay man and this is the mid '70s, he decided that he needed a mustache, and so showed up on set with a spectacular '70s mustache and. Sidney Lumet looked at it and was like, no, that does not work. Don't do it. No. So they filmed like part of the first day with the mustache on and, and Lumet showed Pacino the dailies and Pacino's like, oh, you're right. That, no. No. And so the mustache, gone. Let's see what else. Um, oh, I had a yeah. question. Yeah. So when there was the scene where he was on the phone looking at the tiny TV, uh, that almost looked as though they were splicing in actual footage from the actual television. They, they it, might have. Because um, it looked enough like him, but not at all. Uh-huh. There, there were a couple of things that I know they were considering using footage from the actual wedding of the actual guy to the real Leon. And uh, Lumet didn't use it because it... The footage was so over the top, he felt it would alienate viewers or like it would be out of tone for the movie. And there was one other piece of real footage that they were considering using that they didn't. Now I'm blanking on what it was, but I would not be surprised if they used actual photos in those TV shots. It could be. We don't know. Also, by the way, Chris Sarandon uh, as the, the lover. Oh, yeah. He had a great performance. It's his debut role. This is his first movie. Or debut role. Uh-huh. It's canon now. <laughs> <laughs> so we officially have two Princess Bride actors in this movie. Yeah. Because Carol Kane was one of the hostages. She was. <laughs> Humpadink. You're like, hey. Humpadink. Humpadink, humpadink, humpadink. <laughs> All right, I'll get in the vault. <laughs> I love Carol Kane. <laughs> oh, and um, the the tall blonde hostage is uh, an actress named Penelope Allen, and she is um, in real life kind of Al Pacino's surrogate mother, kind of a, the adopted. Was mother. she the one that was helping write the will? Was it that one? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. She She's the actress that when Pacino was just starting his career, he, he basically lived with her and her husband and, like, crashed on their couch for a while. And Yeah. <laughs> he's such a nice boy and he's so talented. He's so talented. We'll help him out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who else. Al, he's not going to like that mustache. Yeah. He's going to like the mustache. No, he's not. <laughs> 
The mustache looks dumb, Al. <laughs> Give it a day. Oh, you're it's totally right, Sydney. I'm sorry. It's a bad month. Yeah, have you ever seen? Betty would have let Hoffman keep the ever. mustache. <laughs> oh, no, From that day on, Patino was like, I don't do mustache rolls. <laughs> I don't think he, yeah. I don't, think I, I don't, I don't remember seeing Patino in a mustache. No, I don't either. Could be this movie that caused it. Maybe. This movie could be the, the mustache killer. Mm-hmm. For Al Pacino, it could be it could be why he's had such a long and storied career. He didn't ruin it. The rest. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like go out of <clears throat> go out of style. <clears throat> go out of style. Oh, I take that back. He had like a pencil thin mustache and Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, it, but that's uh, not, Dick Tracy. That's not a seventies. He was stash. in so much makeup in Dick Tracy. We don't even know if that mustache was real. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. It probably but, wasn't. It but, probably wasn't. But I mean, it, it also pencil thin mustache is completely different from a '70s porn. Stash. So basically, Dick Tracy is the exception for all things Al Pacino. I, it's the exception for a lot of things. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. We should just do that movie. <laughs> There's a lot of trivia about it. It's that a crime movie. movie. Anyway. It is a crime <laughs> um, movie. It is. it is. All right, Melissa, anything else on your list? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll save it for five. For final thoughts. All right, final thoughts. So, Jason being our guest, it is time for final thoughts. So, do you have a final thought you would like to share with our listeners about Dog Day Afternoon? Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic film. It's worth your time. Uh, the ending is sad. I was really rooting for this guy, uh, but... You kind of wanted him to get on the plane. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to hear about... Because, like, the hostages also seem to be mostly okay with getting on the plane. Yeah. Um, they would have gotten it. He said that he was going to let him off. But right. Yeah. Uh, Sal, I mean, he gets, the, he gets the rosary right before he gets shot. Yeah. yeah. He didn't even it's, get a chance to use it. Yeah. He's like the one almost competent person who's not a police officer in the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just stuck. It's like, yeah. well, we're kind of hosed now. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, poor Sal. But I suppose if I'm going to be, you know, shot in the head, Lance Hendrickson might also might as well do it. Other final thought: It's really fun to look at a film from 1972 and point out all of the things like, well, can't get away with that. That is an ashtray in a bank. Yeah, that is <laughs> 75. But yeah, yeah you're right. You're well, right. 72 is when it took place, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. actual event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of. Anytime there's like, oh, God, that's a period piece now. That's fun. Um, <laughs> but anytime there's something like that, just watching all of the like social things that are like, oh, that's very different now. Oh, mm-hmm. that didn't age well. Or it did, but. Well, yeah, it, the, and it, the, Melissa the, and I just watched uh, The Post the other day. Yeah. And of course, it's a newsroom from the 70s. So everybody's smoking. Everybody, uh-huh. I'm sure. Everybody. And, and it's just like, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, which is a good thing. Uh, yeah, for those people that the two people in that newsroom that weren't smoking. Yeah, uh, but uh, because any, their body is a temple, their they body yeah. is a temple. They don't want to get the cancer. I mean, that's a one-way trip to get shot in the head. I've noticed is it if is. you say your yes. body's a temple and you don't want to get the cancer, you don't want to say that because yeah. he didn't get the cancer. Yep. Well, the actor got the cancer. The actor got the cancer. The character, the character. just got the bullet to the head. Yeah, yeah. accelerated yeah. lead poisoning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, my final thought, actually. Uh, watching a film in 1975 where homosexuality is a central central theme, it's it's interesting to see the way it's addressed differently. And yet, it is. I thought it was 
remarkably forward thinking. I mean, oh, like when yeah. the when when you know Leon is like, I'm a woman trapped in the in a man's body, and one of the characters, one of the cops, laughs. Yeah, that's not played for humor. No, no, it's like you're meant. This to happened. Think, what a dick. Yep. What yeah. What a dick. Yeah. You know, of course it happened. Of course something things like that happened at the time, but but at the time that person stifling a laugh would have been considered the norm mm-hmm. and even his laugh would have been considered okay so it's kind of remarkable you're watching a film in 75 that it isn't okay for him to be laughing at that statement but one thing that i noticed and it's interesting cuz you know you when you're when there when there are conversations in the glbtq IA plus community at the moment uh, is that Pacino's character most likely is not gay. He's bisexual. Yeah. 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 Because he talks about loving both of his wives, one of mm-hmm. whom happens to be a man mm-hmm. and one of whom has to be, happens to be a woman. And so noticing the binary nature in the 70s and the fact that as forward thinking as it was, that was one area where it, it really didn't, there was really no understanding no, uh, but I I don't feel like, I, given the the you know quote strangeness of this relationship in relationship to other things you saw in mainstream movies in throughout the seventies or in nineteen seventy five, um, it's a remarkably like unblinking portrayal of it. It's not making fun of. The fact that this guy has two wives. No. So it's not making fun of... It never makes the, fun of it, which I thought was remarkable yeah. because it's uh, within a couple of years, you've got Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a hilarious movie that With, has horribly offensive things to say about homosexuality. Yes. Because it's got a scene that is nothing but making a joke about how all these people are gay and isn't that funny. Yeah. And then you watch Dog Day Afternoon, where there are characters who are gay, and it's never, and it is a darkly humorous film. Yeah, it's it is, defin- but it never it, like, makes fun of those relationships. Yes, the ever only thing that maybe borders on humor with it is when Sal's like, "Hey, how come they're saying there's two homosexuals? Get that right!" Like, well, yeah, and 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 I also think- the fact that he was actually 18 years old when that happened, yeah. makes that make a lot more sense to well, me. Yeah, and, it's and, actually it's kind a- of understandable. He's like, you know, everybody's talking about this guy over here, and they can't even get get this basic part of who I am right. Yeah. Right, and it's uh, and it's a and it's given the stigma against homosexuals. Yeah, of course he's going to be concerned. It's like I'm straight. I'm not gay. Yeah. <laughs> I might be a bank robber. <laughs> but I'm not gay, but I'm not gay. gosh darn it. <laughs> so, Melissa, what's your final thought about Dog Day Afternoon? Oh, I just wanted to uh, leave you with uh, the final words of Sidney Lumet, who, as he died, said, Burn me up and scatter my ashes over Katz's delicatessen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've heard good things about Katz's delicatessen. I have, too. So... So, you know, not a it's bad It's got a place. Wikipedia entry. Yeah, not a bad place to have your ashes scattered. So uh, that's pretty much it. We want to thank Jason for being our guest and for watching Dog Day Afternoon Thanks with us. Thanks for having me. And uh, I do need to let you know we'll be continuing with our crime spree, which is what we're yes. starting to call it. We are moving it, on. It's not a crime wave. It's a crime it's spree It's a crime now. spree or crime wave, whatever. I mean, I don't, I'm going to change <laughs> crime, it. Crime every time spree. I bring it up, I'm gonna, every time I bring it up, I'm going to change it. But up next, we're moving out of the 70s. We're moving into the... The 90s for uh, probably the seminal crime film of the 90s. Yeah. And that would be Pulp, Pulp. Fiction. So 
Join us for that next time on A Real Education. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.